going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 21 of Trail Tales. That is episode number 20 fun, I should say. <laughs> My name is Kyle O'Grady. I am a thru-hiker and a peak bagger. And this is the podcast where I chat with other thru-hikers and other peak baggers and other hiking nerds about their experiences on the trail. Now, this week's guest is a woman named Kimberly Morse. Her trail name is Catwoman. And we met each other on the AT this past summer. And we talk about a bunch of cool stuff, which, I mean, I try to do every episode. But, no, we talk about how she was able to make her thru-hike work while in the middle of a professional career. We talk a lot about the Adirondack 46, which some of you might recall from previous episodes. I love talking about the Adirondacks, so that was awesome. And at the end of the episode, she shares a story about how she rescued a cat on a random road crossing somewhere in Pennsylvania. The cat ends up okay. She does get bit, but she ends up okay too. I pretty much just spoiled the whole the whole story, but I've already recorded this intro like five times, so I'm just going to roll with it. But no, it was an awesome episode. And Catwoman, when you hear this, thank you so, so much for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. We're going to get into the conversation in two seconds. Actually, it's probably going to be a little bit longer, but not long. I promise. Hang tight. I like to read my five-star iTunes reviews at the beginning of the next episode, and I got another one last week, so I'm going to read it right now. Here it goes. All right. It says, love the podcast. I really like that you're a New Englander, and you talk about hiking from the Northeast. So many other podcasts are from out West, and I think we have the best hiking up here. Keep up the great work. So thank you very much for the five-star review, whoever you are. I haven't really hiked out west too much, so I'm not going to comment on your best hiking is in the northeast comment, but I will say that we have some pretty awesome hiking here, and what a coincidence, this episode focuses a lot on the Adirondacks, which are kind of a staple of northeast hiking, so yeah, just thank you for the review. If anybody else wants to leave a five-star review and have me make some awkward comments after I read it out loud, you can do that. It would really, really help. It helps rank the show higher, helps expose more people to the show. And yeah, that would be really, really awesome. But let's say you're a little bit shy. You don't want me to read your words and make an awkward comment about it. That's fine too. There's actually an even better way that you can help the show. Something I've kind of been neglecting since I've started these episodes. Something I should be saying at the beginning of every single episode. And that is you can tell a friend or even better, maybe share something on social media about the show. So that way, tons and tons and tons of people will see it. I will share it on my Instagram story. And I'm, I'm kind of joking about it, but for real, that really, really does help. That is the best way, hands down, that little podcasts like this grow is by word of mouth. So if you know somebody who'd be interested in it, please tell them. If you have some friends on social media that would be interested Please share something. That would be awesome. I will love you forever and ever and ever. Yeah, just please do that. The next thing I want to say is contact information real quick. Maybe you want to talk some shit to me. Maybe you want to praise me. You can do that. You can, <laughs> if you want to praise me for some reason, you can email me, trailtalespod at gmail.com. You can also look up the show on Instagram, at trailtalespod. I have Twitter as well. Same handle, at trailtalespod. I have Facebook. I still haven't posted on it. I know I've said that a couple times now, but I promise I will get around to it eventually. So go look the show up on Facebook as well. That would be awesome. The last thing I want to say real quick is a plug for the Trail Tales Patreon. Now, I know you're rolling your eyes. You, you're sick of hearing people ask you for money, but hear me out. Hear me out. I'm going to try to make this a little fun. 
Last week, I decided to make my Patreon pitch by going online and going to a random word generator, getting a random word, and then somehow incorporating that word into my pitch. And it actually kind of worked. I got two new patro pat patrons, I think, Patreon. I got two new supporters last week, and I gonna push my luck and I'm gonna try it again here so I've got the random word generator pulled up in front of me and I'm clicking it right now okay the random word is outlook so here it goes all right okay so let's say you have a poor outlook on life and you want to improve that outlook you can do that by signing up for the trail tales patreon that's right give me money and your outlook on life will be improved that's what we're going with here, folks, I guess. But no, if you want to improve that outlook, you can sign up for the Trail Tales Patreon, either 5 or $10 a month, and you will get a bonus episode and a blooper reel every single month. I'm telling you right now, the March blooper reel is going to be very heavily focused on this introduction because I've been doing this for like half an hour right now. I keep messing it up, but that's okay. My outlook is improving because... It's almost over, and yeah, please go do that. Trail Tales, no, I, I always mess this up. Patreon.com slash Trail Tales, five or ten bucks. It's not a lot, and it would really, really be awesome. It goes towards helping the show and just ensuring that I can continue to do this. It is a decent amount of work, and yeah, I would just really, really appreciate it. Okay, that's enough BS. Let's get into the episode. Actually, no, there's one more thing I want to say real quick. Uh, that pertains to our conversation. I don't think we stress this enough in the conversation, in the part where we talk about the Adirondacks, that is, but the Adirondacks are really, really fucking hard, and I just feel like I need to say that at the beginning here just to kind of get an understanding of where we're coming from when we talk about a lot of these peaks. Like, keep in mind, the Adirondacks are a lot tougher than most of the Appalachian Trail. The Whites are really the only comparable part. I think Catwoman said that at one point, but yeah, just keep that in mind when we're talking about these uh, Adirondack 46ers and all that stuff. Okay, let's do it. Episode number 21, Kimberly Morse, Catwoman, Appalachian Trail Class of 2018. Record, we're doing it. Episode number 21 of Trail Tales. I'm here with Kimberly Morse, Trail name Catwoman. We met each other in the Front Royal, Virginia area this past summer on the Appalachian Trail. We were kind of like around each other for a couple days all the way up to Harper's Ferry and then we kind of lost each other after that. But you know, when I started the show, I've been trying to get on everybody that I kind of met while I was hiking on the AT and I've pretty much done that at this point. I still need to get Kimberly's boyfriend, Brian on the show as well. I'm going to try to arrange that. I don't know. We haven't talked about it at all, but <laughs> I, I'm, <laughs> I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. So keep your eyes open. I guess not your eyes. Keep your ears open. I guess that makes sense, right? Yeah. Just be on the lookout for that in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> that will be awesome. But no, Catwoman, you live in Rochester. It sounds like you guys had a pretty nice day today. We did too. Doesn't it feel good to just finally get like some nicer weather up here in the Northeast? Dude, I had my flip flops on today for nice. the first time in months. And let me tell you, I like coming off, coming off the Appalachian Trail and then just being secluded in winter for months does not feel, feel that good. So I'm glad to be back and 
you know, normal attire. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Honestly, my last couple of guests, I feel like have all been either like West Coast or like Southern-ish compared to like New York and Vermont. So I've been wanting to like talk about the weather, <laughs> honestly, as stupid as that sounds, because it's just been so, so, so miserable. Because yeah. what you just said, you know, going from being outside for so long and then just being cooped up all winter, I feel the exact same thing. It really sucks. Okay. So. It was not super sunny today, but it, I think it was like 52 when I left work. That's what my car said, which is like the warmest it's been probably since like the beginning of November. So I was very excited about that. Catwoman had a slight delay on our recording time. And when she told me, I was like, that is totally fine. I'll take an extra hour and I'll just go sit outside in my driveway and drink beer. And that's what I did. So Fantastic. now, honestly, it worked out even better. So it was perfect. <laughs> Good. Glad to hear it. Hell yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about the AT today, obviously, because that's how we know each other. And we're also going to talk about the Adirondacks. Now, those of you that listen to the show have probably heard me say that I love talking about the Adirondacks before because I don't get to do it as much as I do the Appalachian Trail and other trails and stuff. So I'm excited for that. Catwoman not only is a AT through hiker, but she's also a 46er. And if you don't know what that means, that's okay. We're going to talk about it in a few minutes here. But yeah, I'm just, I'm so excited. And thank you so, so much, Catwoman, for taking the time today. I'm so pumped to be here, Narnar. Thank you for the invitation. Of course, of course. So to start off, I kind of want to start the way that I do with pretty much all my guests. And that's just to give the audience a little bit of a background on like your hiking history and how you learned about through hiking and all this stuff. So to start off, yeah, I mean, I pretty much just said it. How did you learn about long-distance backpacking? So long-distance backpacking in general was kind of just running into it uh, through a book I read. And I literally read that book in the beginning of 2018, and I was on the trail in March of 2018. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was a real quick turnaround time. Like, kind of, <laughs> I think it's kind of like because I'm the type of person that if I... If I see something that seems a little extreme but still attainable and I think I can do it, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I was lucky enough um, and probably, um, you know, resourceful enough to set it up in a way that, you know, I made it happen. So, you know, it was good timing and everything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, beginning of 2018 is when I, you know, I mean, I always knew it was a thing, but I first, like, read about it in the context of, something that I could actually do. Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty much with, with this first book that I read in 2018. Um, it's called On Trails by Robert Moore. And I totally recommend it um, to anybody who is, you know, a trail nerd, basically. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. I mean, all ki kinds of trails, like from like snail trails to people trails. Uh, what's like the book about? Because honestly, I'm not a big reader at all. So I... I've heard of Wild and A Walk in the Woods, and those are really the only like through hike or like hiking books in general that I'm like even aware of. Neither sure. of which I've read. But what is uh, what is the book about? Yeah, so um, it's basically this guy who hiked the AT himself through hiked it. His name was Spaceman. I remember I don't remember the year that he hiked it in, but he wrote this book because he, I think the driving force was because he wanted to research the AT, but he. He did it in the context of, like I kind of alluded to, just all types of trails. He literally started so small, like looking at how scientists first looked at um, the trails that ants would leave so that they could, you know, go out and get some food and then turn around and follow the trails and come back home. Um, and then he takes it 
he takes it bigger and bigger and bigger to where humans started developing trails and using those um, to get from point A to point B. Um, and then in that kind, in that sense, he kind of uh, attached his own AT story, and he talked about other um, people who hike massive amounts of miles. Um, there's this one guy's name, and maybe I hope I remember it by the um, end of this, but. He's hiked like 50,000 miles. Wow. He had his toenails surgically removed so that he could <laughs> hike even farther. Um, I mean, he's a crazy, crazy old man. But um, he talked about his story. And then finally, he started talking about how the Appalachian Trail itself is part of a longer, more continuous um, section of Appalachian Mountains that extend like through Canada, yeah, and then yeah. you can even connect. So the International Appalachian Trail, and then you can even connect it farther into Europe, and then down into Morocco. I think is where they landed. So um, wow. it was just a fascinating story that really like you know I'm kind of like I like to read about science behind different things too. So mm-hmm. I got that aspect of it and the human aspect, and it, it really kind of you know resonated yeah yeah no that sounds really interesting i've never heard of that before like what made you decide to like pick that book up in the first place and and when you when you picked it up did you have any idea like how much of an influence it would have on you well so that that takes me back to the adirondack mountains actually um so i started reading gosh i should have looked these up before we sat down today but um I'm, I like reading stories about uh, tragedy. <laughs> so <laughs> there was a book that um, I read that was about tragedies in the mountains in the Northeast, um, which was really cool. And then I stumbled on tragedies solely in the Adirondacks, which was really cool. Um, and so honestly, I think it was just a recommendation on Amazon. They're like, oh, you like books about hiking and stuff so here's this guy you know nice. maybe maybe stop reading about death for a little minute <laughs> and then, you know read about something else so um yeah i think that's how i found it and that's cool i think i've actually heard of the tragedies one i haven't like actually like read it but i've definitely seen that probably on amazon or somewhere maybe on facebook someone had shared something about it but that one sounds kind of interesting too like this is not in my notes at all but i'm just kind of curious like after hearing you like say that like how was that book like what was like some of the interesting things in that like i'm sure they must have talked about like some mount washington stuff right so there's one that i read that's called mount not without peril uh 150 years of misadventure on the presidential range of new hampshire so that's strictly the presidential range um that's by nicholas howe h-o-w-e if you're interested um and it was really well written and like that's kind of important to me like you know you can't just throw a bunch of stories that somebody cobbles together and have it be that interesting like it's cool to read people unless you're doing a podcast then you can try (laughs) (laughs) then you can try (laughs) Um, yeah um i'm sorry what was the question because now i'm like no no i I got you off track there i'm sorry about the uh the tragedies thing yeah um yeah i'm kind of like trying to look it up right now oh desperate steps that's the other one okay okay um by peter w kick life death and choices made in the mountains of the northeast oh nice (laughs) yeah so they're good i i like reading about them because they feel close to home too so like yeah yeah and you know the best i think in desperate steps um let me back up a little bit so in december of 2017 um i did this three mountain range in the catskills 
Um, and then in early 2018, I read Desperate Steps. And there's a story about this guy, this couple that went out, two men, and one of the men ended up dying on that same range. Oh, and, wow. And I'm like, and they didn't, you know, <laughs> most of these people are in winter. They make poor clothing choices yeah, and this and yeah. that. And um, so I'm like, yeah, I just did that in December. You know, I think... I think I, I did okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I like that close to home. I like the idea that I can go and I've done these things that these people have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, failed at in a, in a way, but so I don't know. It's kind of cool. It is cool. It is cool. Like I'm, I'm not going to lie. This sound, this is going to sound really like morbid, but whenever I see like the articles about people, you know, getting into trouble in the mountains, usually during the winter, kind of like you just alluded to a minute ago, I always read them like I'm always kind of curious to know like what went wrong or what happened and again I feel like most of those circumstances are avoidable but every now and then you get some of those that you kind of just can't really avoid whether maybe it's like an avalanche or something I I don't do any winter hiking at all so like I really don't know much about that but yeah some of that stuff is definitely kind of sketchy for sure well yeah i mean you remember mount washington and we heard so many things about how the weather up there is just you never know what you're going to get and what you get like in the first half of the mountain is not what you're going to get in the second half and you could die like that's what you hear about mount washington yeah i mean a lot of people have died up there actually my in high school um my one of my english teachers her father had actually died up there his circumstance was a little different i think he was just like an older guy and he had a heart attack uh while he was climbing so i don't think it was like because of like weather or exposure or anything like that but um there's actually like a little plaque up there and they have like the names of everybody who's died on the mountain and i remember the first time i went up there uh back in 2017 i think it was maybe Mm -hmm. 2016 i can't quite remember but i actually like found the plaque and like saw his name and everything and i was like wow there's a lot of names on this thing so yeah be careful people be careful right Uh, (laughs) um going back a little bit to uh your through hike and not even your through hike the uh, circumstances surrounding uh the decision that you made to through hike you know you mentioned that you had kind of read this book and then just bam immediately you kind of wanted to do it can you just kind of elaborate a little bit more about like that because i feel like it's not really a natural reaction for someone to read a book like that or hear about like some sort of crazy adventure and then just immediately be like okay yep like i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do it like soon like (laughs) i just think that's so incredible thank you yeah well there was there were personal circumstances too that kind of were pushing me away from where I was in the time being. I was living in New York City. Um, I had been there over two years and it was affecting me in a pretty negative way. And, you know, looking back on that now, I'm very happy that I lived there, but, um, you know, there's no personal space. And it's like the moment you walk out your apartment, you're surrounded by people. Mm -hmm. So, and, and on top of that, I... For the last year I was there, I worked um, an hour and 15 minute long commute away from my home. Oh, yikes. Yeah, that and does one not way. sound fun. Yeah, one way. And that was underground. And so I would go a hundred or a mile or excuse me, I would go an hour and 15 minutes underground one way to an office without any windows. And as the, like over the course of these two years, I'm, you know, going up to the Adirondacks at least once a month and, you know, peak bagging. Uh-huh. 
And so it's like this, this amazing, it's like this huge juxtaposition between what makes my heart free and what is like literally kind of like a prison. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of simplifying things. There's definitely positive aspects to living in New York city. And I don't like, you know, diss anybody who chooses that for themselves. And I'll definitely go back and it's really cool because now I know the subway system and all that (laughs) stuff and I feel comfortable. But anyway, so I'm like, I was in this place of just wanting to get away. And it was hard because I was there as an editor and I was in like the Mecca for people who want to pursue that type of of job. You know, Mm -hmm. I could could have gotten another job as an editor, like in the blink of an eye. And I just didn't want to be there. So it was really a disheartening feeling. Um, and so again, it was like the combination of feeling that way of reading this book and beginning to do some research and realizing because of my experience in the Adirondacks, I felt physically capable and I'm like, and I was excited by the challenge of having to put all of the different pieces together. Like, um, you know, just quitting your job and moving like that requires a lot of planning and and, uh, all that stuff. And like, where do I put my crap? And um, you know, what kind of, do I have enough money? Which turns out I didn't <laughs> like, you know, just, but that the, there was a lot of excitement around, um, trying to make it work too. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing that I would absolutely love it. So, yeah. Yeah. See, that's, that's pretty incredible. So you were in New York city, were you in New York all the way up until like when you left and then you moved to Rochester afterwards? So, um, yeah, so I read that book in like January and I it took me a solid like two and a half months to convince um Brian, uh-huh. um, my boyfriend who his trail name's Turtle, that it was something worth doing. Right, and right. you know, he was a little different a little different place in his life in terms of his career and everything. So I totally respected, you know, his reservations and all that. But yeah, yeah. Uh, um to get back to your question, um we moved back up to Rochester for one week before flying down oh, to, wow. to Georgia. So, you know, we, we wanted longer, but given the amount of time that Brian took to, <laughs> to make a decision and to like, <laughs> you know, set things in motion, we didn't have a whole heck of a lot of time, but we had enough time to go and visit our family and have them all tell us we were insane. <laughs> no, well, you guys, you guys made it work. Um, since we're on the topic of like the uh, whole like career thing, um, that is kind of a unique thing to your hike, or at least compared to some of the other guests I've had on the show so far, in that you were kind of in the midst of a career when you decided to go through hike. I feel like the most common scenario you find through hikers in are they're like me and maybe they just graduated college or they're, you know, maybe just younger, like early 20s and, you know, don't really have like a established career yet or too many commitments, I guess. Or you find the older retired people who, you know, just have the time because they're retired. And, you know, you guys were kind of in that different circumstance, kind of right in the middle of a career like that. What was uh, Brian doing at the time? Uh, So Brian was and is working for the YMCA. Uh, He was, he like, so I was the one that got the job in New York to begin with. And he like uh, just immediately decided to follow me, which was fantastic. And he snagged an awesome job at... Um, literally the largest Y um, by membership in New York City. Nice, and nice. So it was like a really great job to have on your resume, except that it was kind of soul crushing. Yeah. Um, so he he was in a place where, you know, he the way we looked at it is we had both put over two years into our position. 
And so if we were to leave, we didn't feel that our next employer could look at us in too negative of a light because we'd sunk the time in. And I mean, it makes, I'm going to get in, I think I'm going to talk later about like how my philosophy in life was, (laughs) is, and has changed. You can talk about it anytime you want. (laughs) But like, I feel personally very strongly that this is my one life and I need to do what is going to make me happy and, you know, I've heard, you can, you can imagine how many times you probably heard it too. Somebody's like, oh, well, when you're 50, you're going to definitely not regret that you did this or, yeah, yeah. you know, people tell you that all the time. And I guess I kind of keep an idea like that in the back of my head, um, all the time. And so I, you know, made that decision then that I didn't want to live my life in a way that I was going to regret. Uh-huh. And that included, you know, a decision to take this trip to do something that I knew would make me very happy. Right, right. And it sounds like Brian must have had similar thoughts, but it took a little bit more convincing. This is kind of a ridiculous question, honestly, but if anybody out there listening to this has like a significant other, not even that, maybe even just a friend that like they want to through hike with, I don't know, like, how did you, I know it's going to depend on person to person and based on the relationship and all that stuff, but I'm just kind of curious to know, how did you end up convincing him? Well, I'm a pretty logical person, so I kind of like, I kind of set it up the way I just set it up to you in the sense that we're young. And and you know, it's funny because I have listened to him tell everybody else what I'm about to tell you, like, because you get to ask that all the time. Well, how'd you get out here? You know, yeah, and yeah. people always assume that we have a job that let it, let us leave, mm-hmm. you know, and we have to like correct them and be like, no, actually we, we up and quit our job. And let me tell you, I'm going on a side tangent here that every time we told somebody that we quit our job to hike the Appalachian trail, all we heard back was, holy crap, that's awesome. Like, <laughs> that's so awesome that you did that. And we're like, you know, in the beginning, we were very, very scared. <laughs> yeah. Because we're like, you know, you're you're faced with this monumental task at hand. And, you know, we had we had taken a very large risk to, um, to go and do this. So mm-hmm. if we didn't, if we weren't successful, like it felt like there was a lot riding on this. Um, but anyway, so like I kind of just laid it out for Brian and I'm like, we know this would make us happy. You know, I had to pull some numbers together. I'm like, you know, we live in New York, so our security deposit on our apartment is pretty hefty. Um, you know, we have vacation we can cash in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think I think he just I think it was a couple things that actually convinced him. He he knew that it would make him happy and he also likes a challenge. And um, I think, too, that I'm lucky to be with somebody who he goes with the flow and like he kind of lets me like he moved down to New York to be with me. And then I convinced him to hike the (laughs) AT. And I know if he he heard me and when he hears me say I convinced him to hike the AT, that's going to kind of rub him the wrong way. Oh, boy. Maybe maybe I can get his response when he comes on. You should. Yeah, you definitely should. (laughs) I mean, because I don't I don't want to I don't want it to seem like, you know, he didn't he gave up all agency in that decision. No, because... I, I don't think that's that's what you made it sound like right, at all. yeah. Because, I mean, it, I feel like it's pretty reasonable to, like, be a little apprehensive about, like, doing something like that. I mean, I feel like it's for very sure. reasonable for a lot of the very obvious reasons, you know, being in the midst of a career and stuff like that. But I just think it's so awesome mm-hmm. that, you know, you were able to kind of 
convince him or not even that just the fact that you both were able to like make it work i guess and kind of arrive at the same uh at the same goal and obviously complete the goal so i just think that's so awesome you guys do come from a more unique circumstance than uh at least some of the other people i've talked to so far so i'm glad uh, i'm glad we got a chance to kind of talk about that a little bit with that said, I think we're going to talk a little bit about the Adirondacks. So yeah. for those of you listening, I have hiked 40 of the 46. Actually, first, I should probably start by saying what the 46 is. So just if you're not familiar in the Adirondacks, there's this thing called the Adirondack 46, where the idea behind it is that there's 46 peaks that are above 4,000 feet. Not all of them actually are above 4,000 feet, but when the list was created, they thought they were at the time. I think there's like three or four maybe that aren't but they're they're just they're tall freaking mountains and (laughs) the idea is to just hike the list hike all of them and then you can kind of like call yourself a 46er and get the hat and the patch and all that stuff but it is a pretty popular thing in the Adirondacks I think there's like been over I was reading about it yesterday like over 10,000 people at this point have done it and oh yeah, we're like eleven thousand two hundred ninety something. I think. Okay, cool. And when did you guys uh, start and finish? Um, so I started in May of twenty fifteen and finished in March of twenty eighteen, um, and that was all Brian. Brian introduced me to the Adirondacks. He took me up for my first mountain, and we hiked most of them together. Okay, cool. Um, and he started probably in twenty ten, I think, and he just kind of you know, did them as he could. And then he ended up probably doing over half of them again because he did them with me. Right, right. No, I I think that's so awesome. And like I said, I've done 40 out of the 46. I did my first like four when I was like a senior in high school in 2013, I want to say. And then over the years, uh, going to school in uh, Potsdam, New York is the town, a small town up in St. Lawrence County, pretty close to the Adirondacks. So I was kind of able to chip away at some of the peaks, you know, during the fall semester, usually, and maybe a couple towards the end of the spring semester. But most of the time it was winter. So like I said earlier, I don't really do the winter hiking thing too much. But, you know, just over the years, I've been able to kind of chip away at them. And I also live in, in Burlington, Vermont here. It's not too far from the Adirondacks. Like I can actually see them on my drive to work every single oh, day. That's fantastic. Unfortunately, there's a big old lake right in the middle of my ride to the mountains. So even though I'm only like maybe like 30 miles away from like the uh, easternly most peaks, it still takes like an hour and a half to two hours to get over there just because you have to go way yeah. down either down to like southern vermont and then back up or you have to go like up to the canadian border pretty much and then back down so it's not it's close but it's like too far away to still get there like super easily but still i mean it's definitely easier than going from uh, new york city so i'll say that yeah. my first question here you actually already answered so <laughs> <laughs> i'm still gonna read it anyways my question was, did completing the 46 influence your decision to hike the AT, which it sounds like it definitely did. So I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about that or if you want to just go on to the next one. No, I mean, it's just it was because, you know, I felt physically capable of doing it. And like, just to connect the two, like one thing that I've been telling everybody um, is that from so obviously we walked from Georgia to Maine on the Appalachian Trail. And I don't think anything touched the beauty of the Adirondacks until we hit 
the white mountains mm-hmm. in New Hampshire. Like seriously, yep. these, these mountains, like you people out there in podcast land, like <laughs> these mountains are fantastic. And they are like, I would say maybe, maybe they're gaining, they're definitely gaining popularity. Like they're oh, by, yeah. by no means are they like totally remote, but there are still places I feel like you can get to in the Adirondacks where you just feel a little bit more um, submerged in nature. So Absolutely. And especially some parts of the Adirondacks that aren't around the high peaks. So for those of you listening again, just to give some context here, there's the high peaks region, which is kind of in like the northeastern part of the Adirondack Park. But the Adirondack Park itself is like a huge, huge chunk of New York state. And there's like the mountainous high peaks region, like I just said. And then there's other like lowland trails and smaller mountains scattered throughout the rest of the park. I mean, just just Google like the blue line, the Adirondack blue line or something like that, just to see like the size of how big the area is. I mean, it's huge. I don't I don't know what the percentage of New York it takes up, but it's got to be like 20 percent of the whole state, at least. I mean, it's a it's a huge area. And isn't the park like larger than some of the national parks put together or something like oh, that? Oh, I'm, I'm sure it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's it's just huge. And what I was going to say uh, when I started to go off in this tangent here was that the High Peaks region is like kind of remote, like Catwoman just kind of alluded to. But some of the lowland trails that aren't as popular in other parts of this huge park are even more remote. I remember I, remember I talked about it a little bit on my episode with uh tuts from trekking on which was like months ago now that was like episode number nine or something like that and uh, we had talked a little bit about the northville to placid trail i don't know if you're super familiar with the northville to placid trail but it's like one of those trails that kind of goes through like the less popular areas of the park i guess and holy shit sometimes you are like way out there like a sense of remoteness that i probably never felt on the at maybe in the hundred mile wilderness but that's really the only spot that was even close to that. So yeah, there's there's a lot out there in the Adirondacks, people listening. You should definitely go check it out. So all right, I'm going to ask you a question and end this tangent here. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's just me. This might not be something that you can kind of relate to, but I've, I think I said this in that other episode I was just talking about a second ago uh, with uh, Tuts. I feel like there's this weird disconnect between the Adirondacks and the Appalachians. Now, obviously, the Appalachians are way bigger, like just, I mean, the fact that they stretch the entire East Coast. Mm -hmm. So, like, I get that, like, they're closer to a lot of the major cities, too. But again, I just feel like, at least from my experience, and I maybe it's just me, but the people that are on, like, the AT or even in, like, the Whites in other, like, maybe parts of the Northeastern Appalachians aren't really as aware of the Adirondacks and vice versa. I feel like especially in the Adirondacks, people aren't really very aware about like the AT or any of the Appalachians. Have you, have you like noticed a similar like disconnect there? Yeah. Well, I definitely think that people um, who are not from New York state are not really aware that the Adirondack mountains exist (laughs) more or less. And um Honestly, I think I talked to, I don't know when this was, but I remember I was talking to somebody more recently where they um, actually confused the two. So, (laughs) and I think that's simply because they really don't know the distinction. And, um, you know, I had so many people like ask me who knew me and knew that I was a hiker in the Adirondacks, ask me, um, you know, which part of the Adirondacks would I be going through on on the AT? And I'm like, okay, well, there's clearly there's clearly like this this blob that's surrounding New York and some other parts of New England that people just don't understand yeah. the geography of or just don't don't think about too much because 
you know, I mean, you know, the Southern Appalachians and you know, the Northern Appalachians. And it's just, I think that in between kind of between PA and Connecticut, where people just don't, don't think about the trail system that's in there. Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, like the mountains of the Appalachians in that section aren't as big either. So like, or as right. prominent, I guess, um, just like as well known. So like, that kind of makes sense. But there is a weird disconnect there. When I got back, I definitely got a couple congrats on hiking the Adirondack Trail from some friends. Oh, who, yeah. <laughs> sure. To be fair, they weren't like hikers. So like, you know, it's it, to them, it, it's no different. So like, it's fine. But I thought that was kind of funny, too. There is definitely a weird like distinction or disconnect there. I don't know. I don't know. People listening to this that have hiked in both areas or are familiar with both areas. I don't think there's that many of you, but I've gotten like at least one person that's reached out to me in the past that have listened to the show and so obviously knew about the AT and stuff and also knew about the Adirondack. So let me know if you feel like a similar thing or whether it's just me yeah. and I'm just- How like can we solve it. this? How can we bring I know, awareness to I know. the difference? <laughs> we need to interconnect them. I mean, it's also to be fair, they are two like completely geologically, is that a word? They're yes. like two <laughs> distinct mountain ranges too. Like they're totally separate from my mm-hmm. understanding, which does not go beyond- anything I just said because I don't know anything about how the mountains were formed and all that stuff but I have read that like there are two entirely separate ranges despite the fact that here in Vermont I mean you can be up on the uh, Green Mountains which are part of the Appalachians and literally maybe just 40 miles to your west I mean on a clear day you can easily see over to the Adirondacks I mean they're so close but they're still like separated by Lake Champlain and different Mm -hmm. ranges I don't know. I don't know. That's a there's there's a weird disconnect there. So somebody let me know if you agree. With that said, so I kind of want to talk a little bit more about like the whole like forty six thing and like maybe how you did some of your hikes. So one of the things that's interesting about the Adirondacks and and trying to tag these forty six peaks is that some of them you can most of them I'll say you can hit in a day. I guess all of them you could hit in a day if you really wanted to, but I feel like. For a lot of people, they don't always just do day hikes to to tag these peaks. So how many do you think that you did like in just day trips versus maybe doing like an actual like quote backpacking trip out of it or like a base camp kind of thing where you hike in with your gear and and do that whole thing? Sure. Um, Only once. And that was with the Seward Range. And so uh, for those of you who aren't familiar um, you, the Seward range is four peaks. One is isolated by itself and the other three are together. So, um, some people will hike in and do all four, um, and hike out. And I think that's like a 20 mile day. And the difference with these four that you don't find in other day hikes where you might peak bag is that you have to go, um, you have to completely ascend to yeah. two yep. sets of mountains here because, um, because they are separated. So Brian and I did decide to, I'm going to put backpack in quotes here because we didn't know like what the heck we were doing when we did, when we (laughs) did this trip. I mean, we packed in, I mean, our packs were just so heavy. I mean, we didn't, this, okay, no hating here, but we like, we packed in blankets. We didn't even pack in like (laughs) sleeping bags. So sleeping bags. You gotta learn somehow. Oh my God. Exactly. Yeah. It was a pain. So the hike in was five miles, I believe. And it was the most painful hike hike in. I think the hike out was even worse. But, yeah, probably after um, you retired from doing the actual exactly. climbs and stuff too. And those are those are tough climbs. Actually, the last four peaks that I tagged in the Adirondacks was the Seward Range, which was cool. like over a year, probably like a year and a half ago now. It was October of twenty 
17, I believe now. I haven't been over there in a while yet, but I was gone hiking all summer. So I guess that makes sense. But yeah. And and with that said, we did do all four that day. So like we hiked in, slept and then did all four and came back out and then came back out. That's, that's a yeah. tough day. Honestly, I did them. It was super I like, tough. I had like a little break in the beginning of October, uh, my senior year of college and my family had already moved to South Carolina at this point. They weren't in Vermont anymore. So I wasn't about to go down to South Carolina for like a two day break or whatever, or yeah. a long weekend. So I just, my roommates all went home and I went hiking and I hiked in on like Friday night and just camped at, I don't remember the name of the lean to there, maybe like blueberry yeah, lean to or something. Yeah. Like blueberry that. pond is the pond there. I don't remember what, yeah, I, I, I can't remember honestly, because there's a couple lean tos there, but and then I did the, what is it? Oh God, is this, it, this hike was not fun. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I feel like most people don't have a good time up there because it's it's like a really rough trail and there's not really many yeah. views either. And it was also pouring rain the entire weekend I did it, but I did like oh. the the three that are connected. Yep. And then of course it sucks because you also have to go because it, it's pretty much just like a straight line that goes from peak A to peak B to peak C. And then the only way to get back is to go back over peak B oh, yeah. to peak it's A. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> to get back down. So you really end up hiking, you know, those first two mountains twice. And then you get back down. And I guess you guys would have gone over a couple miles and then back up the other one, the last one, which is, is it Seymour? Seymour. Yeah, Seymour's yeah. by itself. Yeah, we tack- we did that first and then did the other three. I don't know. There's no wiser way to do that. No, there isn't. It's, they're kind of, and it, yeah, they're, they're kind of shitty, honestly. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry, uh, Seward Range, but yeah, you kind of suck. And it certainly didn't help that when I did it, it was like really crappy weather. Like I said, October, so it was pretty cold too and just not that great but hey you have to do them you have to do them i guess on that note while i'm complaining about peaks which were your least favorite peaks out of all 46 i'm kind of curious so i feel like i've been asked that before and it's a hard question to answer because the hike that you do is not the hike that i would do tomorrow if i were to go up there and so like your circumstances kind of affect you know your perception yeah of the peaks let me themselves. let me rephrase it so what was like your worst like experience hiking one of these mountains i guess like which ones gave you the most trouble um i'm gonna uh, i got two answers for that one okay <laughs> one is um alan and overall the hike into alan is nice and flat and it's actually very pretty um you know i spent like it's like an it's oh it's 19 miles um there and back like total it's 19 miles yep um for one peak you know and then people are like trying to get I, we were trying to get like you know as many as we could at once so to go 19 miles for one peak which is hilarious having hiked 2,190 right? miles now <laughs> but like I'm not complaining about 19 because but... I mean and most of these hikes you can kind of tag like a couple peaks yep. at once like like I just sure. said a second ago like I tagged like those three but Alan mm-hmm. kind of stands alone by itself and you just have to do like a 20 mile day yep. just to get one peak which is kind of frustrating yeah and on top of that it's a wooded summit so you're not looking out over these beautiful views when you you bust your ass for you know um nine and a half miles to get there but anyway so you know it was kind of a combination of the distance um and what we knew we were going to get at the top of the peak and then somehow we missed a cairn to cross the slide and just instead of you know taking a left and going across the slide and following the trail we just kept going up oh, um, because man. this is a not a marked trail yeah i was gonna bring that up next actually talk about the herd paths and stuff a little bit yeah 
So we definitely herd pathed our own, bushwhacked our own way up to the top of, the, of Allen, you know, only using our cell phones with GPS <laughs> to like guide us on the all trail map. I don't know if you ever used all trails. No, before. I haven't. You should check it out because it's got the path laid out for you. So you can kind of see where your GPS dot is. Okay. On. Okay. That wasn't so great. And then I, I have to mention our hike up um, Giant and Rocky Peak Ridge because that was, um, it's actually a pretty easy hike and they are two of the most, two of the mountains in the Adirondacks with the most beautiful views. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and I, that once I got to the top of these peaks, once we both got to the top, they, they, we were, they were spectacular. It was a bright sunny day. It was perfect. However, we chose to go up in late March um, at the bottom before we left in, at our car, Brian had some crampons with him and we hadn't gotten spikes yet at this point. And it's late March and it's fine on the ground. Right, and Brian's right. like, he's like, I'm going to bring the crampons. And I'm like, don't, why would you do that? I mean, like, you don't need to carry them. Like, it's just going to add weight <laughs> to your bag. You're going to bitch about like having this extra weight, blah, blah, blah. And like, this is like one of my, I'm, I'm bad at this. I give him a hard time when I shouldn't <laughs> a lot. And so don't you know, we're going up giant and we start hitting ice and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And because on top of me being jerk, I'm also stubborn. And so and he is too. And so we just, <laughs> we literally dragged ourselves up giant and, um, you know, half the time you're like holding onto these trees and you're like, oh my God, this is horrible. Like what I'm doing to the environment right now. And then, and then you get to the top and you're like, oh, I'm such a jerk, but these views are beautiful. And then <laughs> Rocky Peak Ridge is a half mile in your distance, and you're like, I just want to get one more peak. And so then that's we a like, tough half mile, as I recall. Yep, and it was all ice. So we went down the I ice. I can't even we, imagine, jeez. And as we're going up Rocky Peak Ridge, and by going up, I mean dragging ourselves up ice slabs. You know, with me in the back of my head being like, I am the worst person in the world because I told him he shouldn't take his crampons. <laughs> Not that one set of crampons would have really helped. Yeah, but. I was going to say. <laughs> but anyway, like we had people, there were other people out on the trail and more than one set of people pointed to the fact that we didn't have any traction. And I felt so dumb. I've never felt more dumb in my life, but it's, you know, it was feeling dumb for, I think it took us a solid, it was six hours to do eight miles, which for people out there, that's kind of ridiculous amount of time. Um, <laughs> I mean, those are those are tough miles, though. So I can I can see it. I did it. I did those two in like late September. I want to say mm -hmm. like a long time ago. Those were a couple of my first ones. And I remember I remember the, the climb up giant. It's pretty short for Adirondack standards, I guess, but yeah. it is pretty steep. And then that section between the two peaks, so you have to go up giant again, and then you have to cross over to Rocky Peak Ridge and then go back. I guess there's yeah. some other trails you could take, but if you want to come back to the same trailhead you started at, you have to do that. And that section between the two peaks was rough, I remember. And I had no ice at all, so I can't even imagine what it would be like with ice and no traction. That's pretty gnarly. Let's just say I look forward to going back and doing it again without, <laughs> without that stress. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I really liked Rocky Peak Ridge because... Like I said, I did it like a number of years ago. It was right at the beginning of my freshman year of college. So it was like my first time like being away from home. I'd been away for like probably a month at that point, maybe a little bit less or something like that. I, I don't quite remember, but you can, uh, Rocky Peak Ridge is like the easternly most peak, uh, e easternly most high peak in the Adirondacks. And so when I was up there, it was like a bluebird day. 
And I oh. could pretty much just see right across Lake Champlain, right into like Burlington and all the mountains in Vermont, like right where I grew up. So That's I so kind of like had a little moment up there, like my first time away from home, I'm like 18 years old and I can like see my home, but like, I'm not there. I'm separated by like a lake and a bunch of fucking mountains. And I don't know. It was, it was kind of And you're cool. an adult now <laughs> and you can do what you want. It must I know, have felt so I good. know, I know. It was, yeah, that, that was a, that was a weird moment. I haven't thought about that for a long time. Damn. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, um, let's be a little more positive. What would you sure. say some of your favorite peaks were? You know, I did, I, again, it, it's kind of a hike slash peak combination um i did colvin blake nipple top and dial all in one day by all in myself. one shot wow that's aggressive by myself and um you know so um again so oh and on the way i tagged uh perhaps the most photographed spot in the adirondacks Indian is, head? Um, yes yeah and it was um it was really nice it was super early in the morning um, and the sun was just coming up, so it was beautiful, but like, you know, my camera sucks and I can't really take that great of pictures. So, <laughs> um, anyway, so that was like super nice to, to tag that. Um, and then, you know, everybody bitches about Blake because just like the Seward range, you have to go up and hit Colvin, which is beautiful, but then you have to go out and tag Blake, which is a completely wooded summit and then come back mm-hmm. and then go down Colvin and then go up to do dial and nipple top. But I just remember feeling so good doing this. Like, so, you know, I was kind of moving a little bit faster. I was pushing myself a little bit more. Um, and then Brian um, was doing the great range that, um, the lower great range while I was doing this. So like I went up to Indian head and I'm looking across at saw teeth and, um, the wolf jaws and I'm like, Oh my God, he's over there somewhere. (laughs) So, um, this whole, the whole experience that day was, um, really cool. Um, and then I have to also mention too, that we did my one and only, um, sunrise hike on Mount Marcy. Oh, nice. I just, you know, and it's almost like the pictures are better than the experience because it was fucking cold <laughs> and you're like up there freezing. And I'm like, oh, my God, seeing the sun just like peek over these mountains, like just like first it's just this thin line and then it's this orb and it's just shooting light. Like, yeah. you know, kind of we have I don't know that that kind of experience is just. I mean, that's why you go up there. So awesome. Yeah. For those of you listening who aren't familiar with New York, Mount Marcy is the highest peak in the state. I don't know the exact elevation. It's like 5,300 and something, right? Something like that. Uh, 5,344. I'm looking nice. at it right now. <laughs> nice. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so it's a pretty big mountain. It's above treeline, which honestly, for how many like really high mountains there are in the Adirondacks, there's really only a couple that are like like above treeline like that, I guess. like A lot of them are wooded, kind of like we talked about before, but I did Mount Marcy my senior year in high school it was like my first time ever hiking in the adirondacks we tagged a couple other peaks um like saddleback and basin i think first Mm -hmm. and then we went up to the top of mount marcy and i'm telling this story because a buddy and i were sitting in like physics class like senior year of high school physics class at the time on a on a wednesday and we had a map and we were like planning this hike we were going to do during the weekend And our teacher kind of like jokingly said like, oh, you guys got a test coming up. You're going to have to bring your textbook to like study while you're hiking on the weekend. And we were like, yeah, yeah, of course we're going to do that. So we didn't do that. But when we got to the top of Mount Marcy, we both posed like we were holding a textbook. And then when we got back uh, the Monday morning, 
before we had class, I went and I photoshopped a picture of the textbook into the picture. And then we like printed it out. I even added like a shadow and everything. Like I'm just a Photoshop <laughs> genius. And he totally bought it. He like put it up on like the classroom wall and stuff. Oh for my God. To see. It was that's so beautiful. good. We felt like so devious. It was hilarious. But <laughs> that's my Mount Marcy story anyways. That's great. Hey, have you done um, Haystack yet? Just no. So actually, okay. So this is, this is a good question. Yeah. I, I'll tell you the peaks I have left. I have Haystack, um, Gray Skylight, uh, Dix, Huff, and Tabletop left. Which well, one do you think I should finish on? That is a really random assortment of. of I know, there. I know. I was I was gonna try to do the whole Dix range because there's there's five peaks uh, that are in the Dix range that a lot of people will do together. And bad weather kind of made me only tag the first three, and then Tabletop. I'm not really sure why I never got to that one. And then I only I haven't been to like uh, the Marcy area since that first hike when I was in high mm-hmm. school. Still, so honestly, back then when I did those peaks, I hadn't even set my eyes on the 46 yet. We just kind of did them. So otherwise, I maybe would have done it differently. But yeah. So anyway, those are those are the peaks I have left. Um, which one out of those do you think I should finish on? Um, either Dix or Haystack, I would okay. say. And hey, I'm leaning toward Haystack. Um, just because the the hike itself, like or at least like the summit part portion of it, again, it's one of those ones that's completely bald um, above tree line. And not only that, but it's got an, the best false summit in the entire like 46ers. Um, so that's, you know, always, always a great boost to morale. Is that one Little Haystack, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Little so Haystack. I actually, on that same Marcy hike, we actually went up to the top of Little oh, okay. Haystack. So I, yeah. I know it's coming. I know it's Unless coming. you're close. Well, then maybe that's, I don't know. The D- Dix is, is really awesome too. And again, we were very overzealous in, in that hike and we did all five in one day. On top of losing our way, we made it that hike. Oh my God. See, I could talk forever about this. That hike of the Dix range was the most, the, another very, very big learning experience. I actually wrote about it as part of my application <laughs> to the 46ers because of all the mistakes that we made that day. What happened? Um, so we started out with good intentions getting up, you know, before, just before dawn. And um, you park across the street from the trailhead. So we crossed the street and we hit a trail that is definitely a trail. It's not the trail, but it's a trail and it's headed toward the mountains. So instead of, because we're impatient and stubborn, instead of actually taking the time to find, you know, the actual trailhead and, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, I'm probably the one that was like, yeah, let's just go follow this trail. So (laughs) we go down there thinking we're going to meet up with the actual trail. And I kid you not, it took us two and a half hours to bushwhack our way along the way going through like brush that is like cutting our legs um we're trying to we are like randomly following deer paths we're not like on an actual trail yeah you know but we're like just looking at our phones so wasting a ton of cell phone battery trying to head towards grace um which is east sticks um because we're going to do we were going to hit grease grace excuse me grace south dicks huff uh Oh, no, I think it's... It, oh, Macomb's it, in there too, me. right? Yeah, yeah. Macomb is after South. So you hit South and you duck off and grab Macomb and then you go to Huff and then Dix and then back down. And where we were planning on getting out was two miles away from our car. No big deal. Just a two-mile walk on the road just to get to our car. <laughs> so meanwhile, we're wasting precious time and cell phone battery just to get to Grace. So on the way to Grace, don't we hear like this, it's this deep, like it has a pitch to it and it, damn it if it didn't sound like a bear. Mm. And we don't like have any kind of bear protection. Brian has, so it was great because um, we didn't, we both thought it was something significant, yeah, the yeah. sound that we heard. 
And so we kind of like duck down real slow and Brian slowly brings out this knife that he has. <laughs> and it's like, it's like his, it's like every guy's uncle's, you know, probably rusty, you know, dull, not going to like rip through paper <laughs> kind of knife. Oh, and, that's so funny. um, like, but he was kind of cute too, right? Like, cause he, he was clearly trying to protect me with whatever kind of protection he had. So we kind of just chill for a minute and nothing happens. So we get back up and we keep hiking. And it's like shortly after that point, we find the trail and we're like exhausted emotionally and like physically. <laughs> and so we drag ourselves up grace. And I remember just like kind of laying out and it was, again, it was a beautiful day. We're really lucky. So then we continue on our way. And one of the great things about doing this entire range, especially that way, is it's kind of a horseshoe shape. And so when you start and when you finish, you can see the entire thing. Yeah. And you see yeah. where you're like, that's like one of my favorite things is being able to see where I'm going and where I've come. And because it's just a great reflection of all the work that you oh, put in. Oh, for sure. For sure. So um, that was the beginning of the hike. And so then we continue on and we get, uh, we get to the last peak, which is Dick's. And we're coming down and we're like looking at the beautiful sunset and we're like seeing the moon and like all this other stuff. And we're like, oh, we've only got like six miles. It's really not going to be that bad. We've got headlamps. We're fine. So we get to the bottom where we think we have probably about two or three miles left. And we hit a sign saying we actually still have six. Oh, no. So we kind of like, oh, fuck. And so we're like, well, what are we going to do? We just have to keep walking. Um, so we get to the point where it's dark enough that we have to put on headlamps and one of our headlamps doesn't turn on. Oh no. We don't have backup batteries. So that's like lesson number, I don't know, three at this point. Like, you know, find always have extra batteries. Yes. Always have extra batteries. I can't stress that enough. Oh my gosh. So, so we just have to keep, we, I mean, we don't have any choice other than to keep walking because the best part or one of the best parts is that my mother is waiting for us at the hostel um, because we, we are, I'm introducing her to the Adirondacks the next day. Oh. So <laughs> like we couldn't just be like, oh, you know, F it, we're going to sleep on the grass tonight. Not that we would have really wanted to do that anyway, but we, right, we right. had to keep going. So um, at that point, our phones had died. So we have, we have one headlamp. We probably still have, you know, two, at least two, two and a half, three miles to, to exit the woods. Mm -hmm. um, no cell phones, one headlamp. And my mom, who is probably like, as the minutes go by, I'm like, oh my God, when yeah, is she going to yeah. call 911 and like, you know, say that her daughter is missing or whatever. So as <laughs> I kid you not, we are probably a tenth of a mile from the road. Um... Sorry if you can hear that background fire, noise. Fire, 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 <laughs> fire in Rochester. Um, we're like a tenth of a mile from from the road, and my headlight or headlamp starts to dim, like the only thing oh, that we have. No. And like it was just kind of we knew that we were there, so we weren't too nervous. Um, but then, uh, so we we get to the road, and we're two miles from our car. And so Brian's like, "You're gonna sit here, take my knife, and I'm gonna run to the car." So I kid you not, I just, I, I keep saying that. Um, I'm sitting on the road, knife in my hand, and like, I'm just praying, which is not something <laughs> I do. I don't pray. And I'm just thinking about like, how amazing it is that Brian is running to the car right now. You know, he's, he, he just hiked this huge day with me. And, you know, we are so, just so tired and so done. And, you know, nothing, nothing bad happened, but you know, you just, 
sometimes you gotta learn things the hard way and i think i'm pretty good at that <laughs> wow that's that's so crazy yeah i i'm always like super sketched out about headlamps so like even if i just go for like a, a mile day hike like the other day mm-hmm. i just went on this like it's like not even a hike it's like right here like in the burlington area it's more like just like a little park and yeah. I still brought a headlamp just in case because I'd never For been sure. there before. I, I always get super sketched out about that. So people, yep. if you ever go hiking, even if it's just a day hike, bring a headlamp and bring extra batteries just in case, just in case. So Catwoman, see, I, I I had a feeling that even though I didn't have as many questions prepared tonight, as soon as we started <laughs> talking about the Adirondacks, like I, know, something right? I, just, I feel like I just have so much to say about the Adirondacks because I've already said like most of what I want to say about the AT after like probably like 15 episodes on it or whatever so I knew I knew I could just go forever and it sounds like you have some awesome stuff to share too so that's okay though because I have more questions that we can didn't get to that I'm going to be able to talk to Brian about now so yeah for sure I don't even have to do as much preparation for that episode which is great beautiful Uh, (laughs) he'll be pumped Anyways, we still have time for at least one more story now your your trail name is Catwoman Yes. And I know that you have a story from the AT, actually, going back to the AT, about mm-hmm. a cat, right? I sure do. Let's hear it. <laughs> okay, so, well, my like the reason I got the name Catwoman is is one of the least exciting details of, of our trip, and that is simply that I have, it, it is a beautiful, but it, a beautiful tattoo, but I just have a tattoo of a cat on my shoulder. <laughs> so, um, you know, I didn't really want to think too much about the trail name. I also kind of wanted to adopt it pretty quick. So when somebody yeah. was like, hey, cat woman, I'm like, yeah, I got two cats at home. I miss them pretty bad. I got a cat tattoo. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> All right, cool. So, so then maybe that's when fate was like, well, guess what, bitch, you're going to earn this name <laughs> because then, um, we are walking through Pennsylvania, which, um, you know, is hellish anyway, in so many ways, uh, during the year that we did this, the rain was horrendous. Yep. Um, it was just, you know, on top of, on top of the fact that the terrain isn't the most fun and this and that and the other thing. Um, so, uh, we are walking near Swatera Gap, which is actually one of the most affected places by the flooding this year. Anyway, we get to, um, one of the many road crossings and um, we're crossing the road and then going back to enter the woods and we walk through the parking lot that connects the two areas and there is a tiny kitten that is sitting there and meowing. Oh man. Now I have enough experience with kittens um, partially because my sister up here in Rochester works with a um, local um, society that um, takes in fosters and strays I'm sorry, takes in strays and then fosters out kittens that oh, are okay. too too young to be adopted. So I've I've been around lots of tiny kittens and like I knew that the noises that this thing was making was out of hunger and mm. I just couldn't walk away and I couldn't yeah, yeah. I'm like I'm just like standing there looking at this thing and Brian's like come on, you got to go. What are you going to do? <laughs> so I'm like I'm going to I'm going to fucking feed it. Like this is, this thing is is so hungry. Like I have to do something. So, um, I broke out a cheese stick 
and I bend down to like entice the kitten to take some cheese and the kitten needs no enticing. It just latches onto not only the cheese, but my finger. Oh man. And I immediately start bleeding. Oh, so at that yeah, point now I'm like, good. okay, now I'm really fucked because now I'm like crying about this cat. And now I know that I have to go get treated for um, the potential for having contracted rabies. Right, so I'm right. like, fan effing tastic. So um, I'm like trying to gather myself in every sense that I can. And we turn away from the cat and start walking down the trail. And the thing just walks along behind me. And I'm like, (laughs) don't follow me. Like, don't do it. Like, stupid animal. And I'm like crying, you stupid animal. Like, why do you keep following me? And so um, finally gets to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to pick this thing up. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm going to pick it up and... You know, at least it's going to make me feel better for half a minute. And besides, I'm like, well, if I get far enough into the woods, I know it's going to die. Like, I was like, you know how, like, when you're you're making a bad decision, but you're, like, doing a really good job of telling yourself yeah. all the reasons oh, why yeah. you should just do it anyway? I'm yep. like, yeah, it's going to die. I don't want to, whatever. Anyway, so I pick it up and I carry it two miles to the next uh, place that uh, we cross a road Mm -hmm. and you know that whole two miles i'm holding it like a football which is really cute um (laughs) except that the thing is like covered in ticks like around its eyes like oh it was so sad it's horrible awful yeah um and i'm like okay i you know it hadn't i don't need ticks now like but again i'm just trying to justify to myself why it's okay to be carrying this tick infested animal Oh, that poor thing i know so we get to the next gap and I call my sister in tears because again like I said she fosters kittens and also she's super resourceful she's a lot like me she's really great I call her and immediately she starts researching um, places down where I was that I could take the cat she starts researching places where I can go to to receive urgent care so that I can get my first of a series for those of you don't know um, when you when you need to get rabies shots it's not just one you have to get um four or five. Oh wow geez yes i actually so, didn't know that yeah yeah so that was kind of like you know the the never-ending saga was um you know i i knew anyway i'll get to that but first of all <laughs> my sister not only did she do all this research for me and like within 10 minutes of me just standing in the gap in that gap and calling her she's like you know what i'm gonna drive down there tomorrow i'm gonna take the day off from work I'm going to drive down. She's like, I'm going to pick this cat up and I'm going to take it back up to Rochester and we'll take care of it at this place that's called Lollipop Farm. She's like, you know, it's it's four and a half hours one way. She's like, I'm just going to do it. She's like, you're not going to say anything else about it. Wow. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay. Like, this is so great. (laughs) That's awesome. So um, the only thing is, is that I have to get the cat. Uh, I think it was like 21 miles I, port, to Port Clinton. Uh, yep, yep, that yep. yeah, Port Clinton and Ham- Hamburg. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's where I had to meet her. Um, and in the meantime, I also had to get to urgent care. So I, this is a super long story. I'm sorry. I, oh, no, I hope we're not running out of time. We're still under an hour. You're you're a okay. Fantastic. So um, so I am able to arrange with a nurse who I had hiked with um outside of crap it was a i'm not gonna remember this i'd hiked with her earlier anyway she was a trail angel that i had met and um i would she had told me that she was in this area and if i needed anything to reach out to her and you know most of me throughout this entire journey was like i'm i don't need to reach out to somebody you know or under what circumstance would i be willing to reach out 
But I'm like, okay, this time it's a nurse. I need to get to urgent care. She can help me. So um, trying to keep this short, this woman picked me, dirty me, dirty boyfriend, and tick-ridden cat up and took us all to urgent care where wow. I sat. It took me two hours to get through this. And I like the woman who took care of me, like the first thing she told to me, told me when um, she came into the room um, and she knew that I was going to be treated for um, – rabies she was like i hate you through hikers you have zero follow through <laughs> i'm like excuse me i'm do you think i'm feeling great right now yeah, do you think that hell? like with the, with the potential for you know having having this cat having bit me like now that i have to go through all this while i'm literally walking every single like i don't know it just baffled me that that her her reaction was yeah, to say really. that you know, but she did point out that, um, you know, I needed to get a series of five shots. And she said, well, if I, she's like, the cat will die within 10 days if it has rabies. So if, you know, by day 10, cat's still alive, you're good to go and you okay. can skip the last shot. So I'm like, okay, fine. Thanks for pointing out like, you know, dead cat, but whatever. <laughs> so I make it through that night and we hiked. I don't know if you remember the 501 shelter. Uh, yeah, I do. Yep. Yes. So that was the shelter that we were headed toward. And um, so the so after this whole thing, I got dropped back off at the trail. And I think we had five miles left to the 501. And the whole time, it's dark at that point, And I'm still carrying this kitten in this little pouch that I had made out of a tank top. Like I ripped this tank top up and turned it into a pouch. And it was like hanging across my, my neck. Like, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. It was, it was fantastic. The bond I created with this kitten... <laughs> I can't tell you, watching my sister take it away was like one of Aww. the worst emotional feelings I've ever so had. sad. Yeah. But anyway, so we get to the 501 shelter and there was nobody there. Like it was a total blessing. We had the run of the place. The cat mm -hmm. just got to do whatever it wants. It was great. <laughs> so the next day, um, it was 25 miles. Now I remember it was 25 miles into Port Clinton and Brian's like, I'm going to do it. And I'm like, I can't because I have to meet my sister. So I did nine miles to a road where my sister Rachel picked me up and then she drove us into Port Clinton. So here's a little bit of a, a admission that I have to make. I have 14 miles of the trail that I did not do. Oh, get off. Yeah. This is done. No, just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, peace. <laughs> yeah, I guess I should have said that beforehand. Episode yep. 21 is now canceled. Yeah. <laughs> 13 miles or whatever it was is unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah, but hey, but the plus is that I get to go back to Port Clinton, Pennsylvania, right? I mean, come <laughs> on. <laughs> so true, so true. So did the cat end up like being okay? Yeah, and, the cat. and you for that matter? <laughs> yeah, no, I I I uh, lived to tell the tale. The cat lived. My sister showed up in Port Clinton, and she um, literally picked each tick out of the cat's eye. Oh wow! We bathed her. Um, you know. And took care of her there. And then Rachel took her back up to Rochester. And um, she was deemed, given a bill of good health. And then nice. she, got she got adopted. So nice. she's in, oh, in here awesome. in Rochester somewhere. Oh, that's so amazing. Happy ending. That's good. That's good. Yes, thanks. That so that's the story so of how Catwoman became <laughs> Catwoman. <laughs> that is hilarious. That is so funny. I feel like I met I met another guy who also had an encounter with a cat in Shenandoah. I, I don't remember if it bit him or not. 
I feel like I would remember if it did, so probably not. But he said he found a cat just like close to the the road there somewhere because the trail kind of crosses the road a bunch through Shenandoah. Did you know Braveheart and New Guy by any chance? No, I don't think so. Okay, so they were um, they were not a couple, and then they became a couple. I don't know if they still are, but anyway, New Guy got attacked by a raccoon. Oh, jeez. So once he got his. Like, once that happened and he started telling his story about getting attacked by a raccoon and having to get rabies shots, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a way better story. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, getting bit by a cat on the trail is still a pretty damn good story. I've had plenty of bear stories, a couple mountain lion stories now. Wow. And now I have a cat story. I guess mountain lions are cats, but it's not the same thing. They're not the same kind of cats, so... (laughs) Adding to the list of animals, I guess we'll have to see what my future guests have. No dog stories yet, that's good, but maybe eventually, I feel like people will probably get bit by dogs sometimes on the trail, so maybe I'm I'm talking about this like I'm like wanting to have more like bad (laughs) stories. I'm sorry, people, I'm sorry, I don't want anybody to get bit, but they do make for some interesting stories, so I'm glad everything worked out in your circumstance. Um, I think we're going to kind of try to wrap this up a little bit, Catwoman. Thank you again so, so much for taking the time. I know... You said you had a busy weekend, and I really appreciate you kind of squeezing this in. Um, I think this was really awesome. I can't wait to put this one out. The last thing, or two things I want to say, just real quick here. I know you're in the middle of your career and all that, but what is, don't tell me you're never going to do another sort of hiking goal again. Like what, what's next for, for you or you and Brian as far as hiking goes? Well, it's a little bit, it's a little hard for me to, um, to, or even, even na- just in general, you don't have to give me like a, okay. Yeah, no, no, we've, we've got ideas. Um, I, I have to get out of, I first have to get a full-time job because I'm not quite there yet. And once I get there and like can start paying some of my, my debt from the AT down, we've already, I mean, we watch YouTube videos every day. Last night we were watching um, videos on the Dolomites in Italy. Oh, wow. And, but we really want to do the, and I cannot pronounce this, the Te Aurora. New Zealand, right? Yes, the New Zealand Trail. We want to walk um, from the northern tip of New Zealand to the southern tip of New Zealand. So that's, I think that's our our next goal. Awesome. Awesome. I don't know anything about that trail, but I I learned about it when I was on the AT because I met a couple people who were talking about it. So if anybody listening to this has done that trail that I also cannot pronounce, definitely come on the show Reach out, please, or if you yes. know anybody who has like because i want to learn more about that trail for sure that sounds amazing my last question is where can people go to follow you and maybe look back on some of the awesome pictures you posted this summer from your through hike yes please come follow me on instagram uh, my handle is catwoman.hikes can't forget that one awesome nope. awesome thank you again so so much to everybody listening Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Be sure to tell a friend or an enemy or anybody at all to listen to the show. Maybe not an enemy. I don't know where that came from. That was stupid. Okay. (laughs) But thank you so much for listening. Um, Enjoy the rest of your drive or your hike or your treadmill running or your work or your snow shoveling. Although I guess it's actually we got some snow last night. So yeah, your snow shoveling. Oh, God, someone emailed me this past week. At the end of every episode, Catwoman, I like to like make a list of the places that people have told me they listen to the podcast. Excellent. But I, I, got some, I got some emails this past week, 
and I just I don't remember what they said, but I remember there was something in there. So I'm sorry to whoever that was. I always beg people to email me, and the one time someone did, I fucked up, but that's okay. Catwoman, <laughs> <laughs> where do you listen to podcasts if you do listen to podcasts? Me, I listen to podcasts in the car and when I'm hiking. The two most popular ones. Those yeah, are really I'm the sure. only times I do too, and at work, I guess. But yeah, the three most popular ones. Anyways, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Catwoman, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye.